The Bible prophesies the rebirth of the Holy Roman Empire, a ten-horned kingdom that will produce the Antichrist, and he will confirm the covenant with Israel to start the final seven years toward the return of Jesus Christ. Well, join me today as we look at three very interesting articles and how they relate to Bible prophecy on today's edition of End of the Age. Well, hello and welcome to End of the Age. I'm Doug Norvell. Thank you for joining me today. Vince is still on maternity leave with his wife and kids, taking care of them. Uh, we commend him for that. I actually got to go see him on Tuesday. Got to be introduced to uh, Miss Rosie Ray, their new baby girl, who is just a, a bundle of joy. And so they're all doing well. Please just keep them in your prayers. And hopefully next week, Vince will be back here with me on End of the Age on Tuesday and Thursday. Now, before I get started today, I do want to make an announcement for Dave Robbins, who will be teaching a live prophecy conference in Kaufman, Texas. That's going to be on May 19th uh, for the Kaufman East or Kaufman First Church. Uh, the facility will be at the Grace Fellowship Baptist. It's located at 7650 FM 1388 in Kaufman, Texas 75142. Now, this will be on a Thursday night. It's a little different. Most of the time we have our conferences on Friday and Saturday. This is a one night only, Thursday night, 7 p.m. Uh, his teaching will be the future according to Bible prophecy. Each conference is unique, and it will include some powerful prophetic lessons for you to uh, come and uh, partake of. And the admission is free. Registration is not required. And so uh, you just come with the seating that is available on first-come, first-served basis. The doors open usually around one hour in advance. So if you get there a little early, that will make sure that you get a seat. You'll be able to go to uh, our resource table, meet Jana Robbins, Dave's wife, be able to look over some of our product. And we may even have that um, brand-new DVD there, The Future According to Bible Prophecy. So that's what Dave's lesson will be. You can purchase that and uh, give it to your friends. Once you see that conference live, you'll really enjoy that. It's a whole different experience when you're there live. Now, uh, for more details, you can visit endtime.com slash events, uh, or you can give us a call at 1-800-363-8463. Okay, so I've got an interesting program for you today. I believe um, I found some Interesting articles we had. Uh, one of them was sent to me the other day, uh, which when I read it was kind of just blew my mind that that's what was being said in this article. Uh, the other ones we uh, have found are just, they're phenomenal at what they're saying. So the first one I want to go into uh, is Emmanuel Macron. He uh, calls for a new Europe-wide political organization on top of what's already existing as the European Union. Okay, this comes from Breitbart, and it, it was May 10th that this was published. So it's just a couple of days ago. 
says uh, French President Emmanuel Macron wants to see a new Europe-wide political organization created that would exist in parallel with the European Union. Seemingly not content with the bureaucracy of the European Union, France's newly returned President Emmanuel Macron has called for the creation of another Europe-wide political organization that would run in parallel with the existing EU. Macron called for this creation of such an entity during a speech in front of the European Parliament in Strasbourg, marking the end of the controversial conference of the future of Europe. According to this report by uh, Le Parisien, the French president requested the creation of the organization after saying the Ukraine's potential admission to the EU, which currently is assessing whether it could join bloc, uh, would take years if the union wants to maintain its standards. Instead, Macron suggested the creation of an even broader organization that would be able to accommodate the likes of the Ukraine as well as nations that have left the EU, hinting at a potential inclusion of the UK. Now, this new European organization would allow democratic European nations adhering to their core values to find a new space for political cooperation, security, uh, and security, Macron said, describing his vision. Macron's speech, which also covered the topics in his re-election and Russia's role in the Ukraine conflict, occurred during the closing ceremony of the Conference of the Future of Europe, which some of the uh, MEPs have criticized as having been used to push toward the creation of a transnational federal superstate. The conference published over 300 recommendations, including, get this, the likes of the removal of the national veto and the creation of a joint EU military. Okay, so there's been a lot of talk about that veto, the national veto in the UN that would uh, keep states from being able to uh, veto something that the UN wants to pass. Well, he's talking about this as well. And then also this creation of a joint EU military. It's not the first time that Macron's talked about something like this. Okay, so it goes on to say which would see even more state level powers ceding to the to Europe. Once these powers go to Brussels, you are no longer a separate state, but a province of something larger. One of the critics of the conference, Dr. Gunnar Beck, a member of the European Parliament, told Breitbart Europe. So it's interesting because they can also see what's going on. Some of these parliament members understand that as these independent states begin to give up more of their sovereignty, this moves into the super state. They'll be locked into a position there, and he sees danger in that himself. Okay, so we're up against a break before I move ahead. I just want you to think about the article we just read and what he's calling for. Okay, a European super state. So the question that we're going to ask when we come back, we're going to look at this a little deeper and see if maybe this could be hinting at that ten-nation union that the Bible talks about. So we're going to get into Bible prophecy when we come back from the break. So stay with me, and we'll be right back after this break.
In the Bible, God gave us a timeline from the beginning to the end of the age. Satan and the elites of this world don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming of Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time, understand how you fit in, and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching our brand new video, The Future According to Bible Prophecy. Get your DVD of The Future According to Bible Prophecy free with a gift of any amount. Go to endtime.com slash future or call 800-END-TIME. That's endtime.com slash future or 800-363-8463. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, and now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online and End of the Age Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the end time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you, and we love you. Welcome back to End of the Age. Uh, Before the break, we were talking about the article that I just read where uh, Emmanuel Macron is proposing to have a super state uh, that will run parallel with the United, uh, I mean the European Union, and so uh, we've, we've got the question that we asked before this, if we could see a 10-nation union come out of this European state. Well, here's the thing, folks. Don't get me wrong. I am in no way saying right now that Emmanuel Macron is the Antichrist, okay? We don't know who the Antichrist is, and we won't know who the Antichrist is for sure until he's revealed at the time during the middle of that final seven years uh, when he stands in the uh, Temple Mount and he proclaims himself to be God, causing the abomination of desolation, okay? So I'm in no way saying that this gives us that understanding. But I was talking with one of our production crew before the program started, and we were talking about how fast prophecies are coming to pass and how many things that are happening in the world right now. And so as we look into these scriptures, these are scriptures that are telling us what the future is going to hold 
And if we could see that 10-nation union come out of this super state that Emmanuel Macron is talking about, I mean, could it be possible? That's the question we're asking today, along with some other questions we'll get to as we go down through this. But Scripture gives us insight on this uh, prophecy in a few different places in the book of Daniel. So we're going to look at those prophecies right now. Daniel chapter 7, starting in verse 7, says, After this I saw in the night visions and beheld a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth. It devoured and brake in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it. And it was diverse from all the other beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots, and beheld in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things." So we understand from this scripture that the little horn will rise up among these ten horns. Well, what are these horns? Daniel 7 goes on to let us know this. It says in verse 19, Then I would know the truth of the fourth beast, which was diverse from all the others, exceeding and dreadful, whose teeth were of iron and his nails of brass, which devoured and break in pieces and stamped the residue with his feet. And of the ten horns that were in his head, and of the other which came up, before whom three fell, even of that horn that had eyes and a mouth that speak very great things, whose look was more stout than his fellows. I beheld, and the same horn made war with the saints, and he prevailed against them, until the Ancient of Days came, and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High, and the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom." Thus he said, the fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon the earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, and shall tread it down and break it into pieces. And the ten horns out of this kingdom are ten kings that shall rise, and another shall rise after them, and he shall be diverse from the first, and he shall subdue three kings." And he shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and think to change times and laws and they shall be given into his hand until a time and times and the dividing of time. So the war against the saints is also found in Revelation 13, 5 through 7. In that, it tells us that the Antichrist makes war with the saints for 42 months. So that's how we know the timing of this uh, tribulation is going to be for three and a half years. Time, times, and the dividing of time is three and a half years. 42 months is three and a half years. All right. So what do we find out from this scripture? The horns are kings, and out of these ten kings will come a little horn, also known as the Antichrist. There are many clues that this will happen in the end time. Okay, so one, he makes war against the saints of God until the Ancient of Days pours out judgment and the saints possess the kingdom of God. Okay, so we know that this happens at the second coming of Jesus. When the prophets and the saints are resurrected, we talked about this on Tuesday. Revelation eleven fifteen through 19 tells us that. Remember, it says, And now the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ. And uh, we, then it says that 
the time comes for judging the dead and for rewarding your prophets and your servants, the saints. That's what Revelation 11 is telling us there, that at the timing when the Lord lays down judgment and his kingdom becomes the kingdom here on earth, then uh, the saints and the prophets receive their reward. And we return with the Lord to the battle of Armageddon. Uh, the Antichrist and the false prophet will then be thrown into the lake of fire. Well, if you look at Daniel uh, chapter 7, verse 11, and Revelation nineteen twenty one, it gives you that detail. It lets you know that that's what happens to them at the end of that judgment time. They are both thrown into the lake of fire. Now, remember, in Revelation 13, there are two rulers there. There's that one world beast, the Antichrist, and his partner, the false prophet. All right. Now we can understand that the Antichrist, the Antichrist will come from the Ten Kings. We can understand where these Ten Kings will rule from, at least the area. Okay, We may not know all the, uh, the actual uh, kingdoms, but we know the area that they come from because Scripture gives us more clarity on this. And Daniel is called to give an interpretation of King Nebuchadnezzar's dream. You remember the story in the dream. He saw an image. This image's head was of fine gold. That's the Babylonian Empire. His breast and arms were of silver. That's the Medo-Persia Empire. And his belly and his thighs were of brass. This is the Grecian Empire. His legs of iron are the Roman Empire. And his feet, part of iron and part of clay, are the Holy Roman Empire. And he watched this till a stone was cut out of the rock and uh, came down which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay and break them to pieces. The stone here is Jesus. All right, so when we go through this scripture, this is how it reads. We're looking in Daniel chapter 2, and it starts in verse 41. It says, And whereas thou sawest the feet and the toes, part of the potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, but there shall be in it of the strength of the iron, for as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with clay, and the toes of feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And whereas thou saw iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of man, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay." And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed and the kingdom shall be left to other people, shall not be left to other people, but it shall break it into pieces and consume all these kingdoms and it shall stand forever. So that's talking about when Jesus comes back and he, uh, he establishes his kingdom here on earth. Okay, so that's what that's talking about. When he comes down, he destroys uh, this ten uh, nation union and this one world beast. So we know all that from understanding that these ten toes are the same symbols used in Daniel 7 as the ten horns. All right. So the Antichrist will rise up out of this reborn Holy Roman Empire. That's what the, the iron mingle with clay is. It's the Holy Roman Empire. Uh, this is going to be in the European Union. All right. So we can see this come up out of the European Union. But, but hear what I'm saying again. I, I'm not saying that we know for sure that 
Emmanuel Macron could be talking about this union at all. It may not even be what it evolves into, okay? He's just putting forth this idea, this proposal to start a union there of a stronger, unified Europe, okay, with a military fighting force, all right? So it's very interesting what he is saying because we know what this prophecy is talking about, all right? So it's it's too early to know for sure. Right now, we just simply are giving you the information, and we'll have to wait and see. But here's something interesting that's coming also from the Catholic Church. At the same time, this article came out the day after we get this article about the church being behind Europe's unification. This comes from the Philadelphia Trumpet at trumpet.com on May 11th, 2022. Cardinal Jean-Claude Hollerich of Luxembourg, the president of the Commission of the Bishops, Conferences of the European Union, published a statement to support European unification in celebration with Europe Day on May 9th. His statement, Faithfulness to European values marked the anniversary of the 1950 Schumann Declaration, which proposed the European coal and steel community. It also came the same day that the Conference of the Future of the Europe uh, pleaded to the Parliament for European integration. Okay, so back to what Emmanuel Macron was talking about in his speech, where he was at speaking to the European Parliament about this stronger European alliance. All right? This article goes on to say, Today we may live in a world where faithfulness to the inspiration and these values, again, means to uh, envision a change of the European Union. Hollerich said... He also praised the creativity and freshness of the new proposals, and he promised, get this, as a church, we are ready to play an even more active role in it. Okay, so he just said, as a church, we're ready to play a more active role in this European Union, this alliance, all right? Cardinal Hollerich uh, pointed to uh, Pope Pius Twelfth who supported a European unification project after World War II. But that, uh, the very history of this is a warning to us. This is what the writer's saying. That's not what I'm saying. The writer says prior to World War II, the cardinal, who later became Pope Pius XII, successfully uh, negotiated the Reich Concordant with Adolf Hitler in 1933, which effectively removed all political opposition to the growing Nazi movement in Germany. Germany's ex-Chancellor Heinrich Berning had no doubt about who was the primarily who was primarily responsible for this nightmarish alliance. Behind the agreement with Hitler stood not the Pope Pius XI, who preceded Pius XII, out of the Vatican bureaucracy and their leader, Parcelli, Bruning, said in 1935, he visualized an uh, Artorian state and an authoritative church directed by the Vatican bureaucracy for the two conclude an eternal league with one another. Okay, 
So read that powerful statement in condemning admission again. And remember, this Cardinal Purcelli, the man former Chancellor Bruning believed was more responsible than anyone else for bringing Hitler into power, later became Pope Pius XII, the Pope during the Second World War. All right, so Pope Pius XII supported the European Unification Project while the Vatican enabled many Nazis to escape through the rat lines of Latin America. The fact that Pius XII is still greatly uh, venerated in the Catholic Church and Europe should be alarming. Yet many uh, many in Europe still see the Catholic Church as a tool to unite Europe. But just because a church is behind the European project doesn't mean that it's a good thing. The late Herbert W. Armstrong warned about this for decades. In only one way we can, uh, there's only one way that we can resurrect this Holy Roman Empire. Listen, this is what this historian said, okay? In only one way that we can resurrect this Holy Roman Empire to be brought to fruition is by the good of the Vatican uniting the church and state once again. With the Vatican astride and ruling, he wrote, Nations in Europe have united in the so-called Holy Roman Empire throughout history. You folks, you hear what I'm saying, right? You understand what they're talking about. They're talking about the rebirth of that Holy Roman Empire. The Holy Roman Empire in prophecy, they write, the keynote prophecy of Herbert uh, W., moving on here, uh, Armstrong's 55-year ministry, was about the seventh and final resurrection of the Holy Roman Empire. As early as the mid-1930s during the Second World War and even immediately after the war, when the battlefields of Europe were still smoldering and Germany was a wasteland, Mr. Armstrong warned that Germany would once again emerge as a leader of the united European superpower that would plunge mankind into World War III. Okay, you guys remember, this is a publication uh, out of Philadelphia, the Philadelphia Trumpet. I'm not reading you Bible prophecy there. That was a prophecy of a man within the Catholic Church. He He was informed by Bible prophecy and history. Mr. Armstrong explained that while Germany would lead this final resurrection, it would be underpinned by the same religious entity that inspired all the other resurrections. The politicians cannot unite Europe by themselves, he wrote in a co-worker letter on January 23, 1980. Only the collaboration of the Pope can they do that. And when we come back from this break, we'll get into a little bit more of this article as well as some Bible prophecy about what we're talking about in this article, the rebirth of the Holy Roman Empire. Stay with me. Whether it's a global pandemic, threat of war, or floundering economies, end-time events are happening around the world every day. How can you have peace in a world of such great uncertainty? With the End Time Magazine subscription, you can gain a deeper understanding of current events and its prophesied repercussions. End Time Magazine's exclusive content and prophetic insight allows you to understand where we are in the end time. It will give you peace when horrific news and events happen. 
When you subscribe today to End Time Magazine for 12 months for just $19.99, you can have hope for the future because you will understand what the Bible says about the time we are living in. You'll get access to exclusive articles like the Prophesied American-Israeli Alliance, End Time Do's and Don'ts, and Could School Choice Save America? Subscribe for you or a friend right now. Go to endtime.com or call 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-END-TIME. The symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world. In his final work, Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ, part two, the late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding. Don't miss this special offer. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. Thank you for joining me back here on End of the Age. Uh, Just a quick reminder of what we're talking about today. I've found three very interesting articles. One of them, the first one we read, was Emmanuel Macron was uh, announcing to the European Parliament that uh, there's a need for a European superstate that would run parallel with the existing EU that's there right now. It would have military power, uh, this new superstate. And now we're on the second article about uh, the church backing this idea of this new uh, unified Europe. And uh, getting into this, uh, right before we hit the break, we talked about um, how the church was backing that up. And then we got into a little bit of prophecy from a Mr. Armstrong. This Mr. Armstrong died in 1986 when Germany and Europe were still divided. But today, with Britain out of the EU... Germany is the clear power behind the united European superpower. What's more, the Catholic Church is again ready to be Europe's unifying factor and kingmaker. This is all from the article, okay, folks? The resurrected Holy Roman Empire is prophesied in various biblical passages. Revelation 17 describes a woman riding a scarlet-colored beast... This symbolizes a political empire controlled by the church. This church was prophesied to have a global influence, and this could refer to no other institution than the Catholic Church. Okay, it's interesting to see that this article uh, is talking about the very thing that we understand from Bible prophecy. They have an understanding of what could develop from the uh, the European alliance here in the Vatican uh, working behind the scenes. It's, it's interesting to see what's going on with these two different articles. Macron proposing this plan and the uh, church saying that they would back this type of a Europe. All right. Now this article, it mentioned a couple of different prophecies. One, that Germany would rise back to power. All right. So we see this in Revelation 13. This was something that Pastor Baxter uh, years ago discovered in the Bible himself and realized that the leopard of Daniel chapter 7, it had four heads on it. And that leopard 
is mentioned here in Revelation 13, but it also gives us some other clues to that leopard being Germany. Now, Brother Baxter believed that the leopard was Germany because in the prophecy, uh, the leopard has four heads and it has two wings of a fowl on its back. Well, we know that the animal symbols for the fowl are France itself. Uh, they have a rooster as their animal symbol, and Germany has an unofficial uh, leopard as their symbol. Okay, you can look that up, it's in the dictionary. And also, their number one tank, which is one of the clues that Brother Baxter received from God, that Germany sold the leopard tank to other countries, and it was um, the top tank. Even our U.S. tanks are modeled after that and can interchange parts and things like that. And it was one of the fastest tanks uh, in the military at the time. So this is a, a prophecy that he saw that happening. He realized that the head that had been wounded was the Berlin Wall. So we're going to get into that as we look at the scripture, and I'll kind of break it down for you when we read the scripture. Revelation 13, starting with verse 1. And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his ten horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet whereas the feet of the bear, and his mouth the mouth of the lion. And the dragon gave him his power, his seat, and his great authority. And I saw one of the heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world wondered after the beast. So if you watched the program yesterday and heard Dave as he explained uh, nations, Uh, in the Bible, these modern-day nations that are in the Bible. We get all of that information from Daniel chapter 7, and Dave did a great job yesterday breaking it down. But just to kind of give you a recap, if you missed yesterday so that you understand, the animal symbol for Great Britain is the lion. The animal symbol for Russia is the bear. And we believe the animal symbol for Germany is the leopard with the foreheads and the wings of a fowl on its back. Okay, so there were clues given into this. We've got seven heads that are mentioned there. So the bear had a head, the lion had a head, the leopard had four heads, and then the fourth beast, which we talked about in the prophecies at the beginning of the program, this fourth beast with iron teeth and ten horns, it had a head. So there's your seven heads, and then the ten horns are mentioned in that same Revelation 13 there. So we understand that the leopard here has these four heads, In Daniel 7, this is how many times that nation, the beast, has been given uh, the authority to rule or been given dominion is what the scripture says. Germany appeared to have been destroyed to never rise again. That's one of the heads that had received a deadly wound. But after World War II and the Berlin Wall, that's when that head died. Okay, That's when we know that that happened. But when the Berlin Wall came down, Germany came back to life, and now it's in its fourth and most richest Reich. The Berlin Wall was that deadly wound that was healed, and this article says, with Britain out of the EU, Britain, remember, the lion, Germany is the clear power behind the United European superpower. That's what the article said. So think about that. That lines up with the things that we've taught for years here in Prophecy. Now, the other prophecy that was mentioned was Revelation 17. 
So we're going to start in verse 3 of Revelation 17. And it says, So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman set upon a scarlet-colored beast. Now remember, scarlet is red, and we know that this one-world government beast is going to be a communistic, socialistic uh, entity. It's going to be... um, that we we know we see it moving toward that all the time right now we watch as we uh see the rulers of the world and what they want they want communism they want socialism they don't want borders they want open borders so that everybody can be under one uh head and one flag and so this is what they want they want communist control over everybody all right so we see this woman sitting on this red beast full of names of blasphemy having seven heads and ten horns This is the same beast from Revelation 13. You understand that one world government beast that John saw. All right. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet colored and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and the abomination of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. Okay, so we know and we teach that this is, the the woman here is the Roman Catholic Church. It's the Vatican or Rome. There's many other clues and we actually have a study on this that you can look up if you go to uh, endtime.com. You can look at uh, Mystery Babylon, Who Is It? And we have a whole article there that explains why uh, Mystery Babylon is uh, the Vatican and Rome. There's so many clues down through there. And we've done uh, a lot of different studies on this, a lot of different programs on this. So I won't go into all of them today. But we know, and there's clues that were given in just the passage I read. One of the clues is that the woman was arrayed in scarlet and purple. Well, we know that the bishops wear purple and the cardinals wear scarlet or red. Okay, We also know the Pope has a golden chalice, that they have uh, many riches in the Roman Catholic Church. And we also know that the Roman Catholic Church is actually uh, has the blood of the saints on their hand. They've killed a lot of people in the name of Christianity. Uh, when you think about the things that happened in the Dark Ages, the people that were persecuted for translating the Bible into layman's terms, uh, the Spanish Inquisition, the Crusades, so many different things were done in the name of God behind the Vatican and Rome. Okay, And so now we're going to see this rebirth. That's what uh, Revelation 13 is showing us. It's showing us that one world government power that's going to be ruled by a a politician that is going to be the Antichrist. And then we've got the false prophet who is going to be whoever is Pope at the time. All right. And always the revived Holy Roman Empire has been led by a political leader and by a spiritual or religious leader, whoever the Pope was at the time. Now, this article said that uh, they were going to, uh, the Roman Catholic Church was going to control this one world government beast. And because she's riding on the back of it is why they believe that. But Revelation 17 also says that the beast ends up turning on that woman too. And so we're, we're going to find out as, uh, as time plays out how much this article actually plays into 
these prophecies, but it's interesting that we're seeing an article from the Philadelphia Trumpet, and they're printing the very things that we talk about, the truth in Bible prophecy. So it is interesting. Anytime you see a secular paper or a secular article that is explaining the things that we understand. So, folks, are we starting to wake up and understand these things? There's other people out there who are, all right? So now I I want you to see something else that President Emmanuel Macron of France said about Israel and the need for peace. All right, this is very interesting too. So like I said at the beginning of the program, I am not saying that Emmanuel Macron is the Antichrist. Could he be? He could be. I know that a lot of people argue the fact that he's not a very big guy, uh, you know, different things. He's married, this and that. And there's a lot of things that people don't understand about those prophecies. All right. There are there are 50 characteristics about the Antichrist. And we have those listed uh, on end of the age. Also, you can go to endtime.com and you can look that up, too. Um, but there are 50 characteristics there in the Bible about the Antichrist. And um, you can go and kind of look at those things and decide for yourself what they say. But anyway, let's get back to this article. French President Macron on Israel's Independent Day, Independence Day, you know my deep attachment to Israel. He said this comes uh, from the European Jewish press on May 6th of 2022. Okay, remember last week was their Independence Day when they celebrated their 74th uh, birthday since the birth of Israel back in 1948. So this is what Macron says. You can count on me to strengthen at all levels, including the European level, first and foremost, in our common fight against the terrorism that has once again hit you so hard. Now, remember, during that that week uh, of their celebration there, they had a lot of terrorist attacks And they had a lot of things happening there. So that's what Macron is referring to there. This is interesting what he says next, okay? The security of Israel is at the heart of our partnership. In view of renewed tensions in Jerusalem in recent weeks, I would like to welcome the efforts made to avoid an escalation. Okay, those efforts, folks, that were made were Jews were not allowed to go on the Temple Mount because at the at the time Passover was coinciding with uh, Ramadan. And so the Muslims were worshiping on the mountain and the Jewish police officers were keeping the Jews from being able to go up on the Temple Mount. When we come back from this break in just a second, I'm going to finish this article. Uh, I don't want to cut it off uh, in, in a place where I want to really talk about what's coming up next. So when we come back from the break, what he says next is very interesting and very important. So stay with me and come back after this break. I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began the ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Robbins. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day. End Time is a small nonprofit that runs a high traffic website, a daily TV and radio show, the Prophecy College in Jerusalem, and more. Although we have less than 30 team members, we are able to serve tens of millions of people each month. 
We survive on the goodness of God and donations averaging about $50. If everyone hearing this message gave $22, our financial needs would be met for the year. If you only give to one cause per month, please consider partnering with End Time to help get the message of our soon coming King out to the world. Call us at 1-800-END-TIME to give today or go to endtime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner. Welcome back to End of the Age. I'm Doug Norvell here alone again. Vince is still out with his family taking care of their newborn baby. So uh, I'm running the ship by myself this week. Uh, We were talking before the break about this article uh, where Emmanuel Macron is addressing Israel on their Independence Day. And so I want to jump back into that. He had just talked about uh, what a great job they had been to avoid escalation of terror attacks or violence there in Israel by not allowing the Jewish people to go up on the Temple Mount during the time of Ramadan. And so now I'm going to jump back into that article. This next thing that I'm going to talk to you about, I just want you to pay attention to what this says, okay, folks? So listen carefully. I also want to commend the commitment of Israel and our Arab partners who gave birth to the Abraham Accords. Okay, so he's talking about the Abraham Accords that President Trump put forth, all right? He's commending the Israelis and the Arabs there, but listen to this. They contribute to stability and peace, and they must be strengthened and expanded. The French president, who was re-elected for a second term two weeks ago, added, he went on to say that they must also pave the way for a direct political dialogue between Israel and the Palestinians to meet the legitimate aspirations of both for sovereignty and security. Okay, folks, do you hear what he's saying here? The Abraham Accords must be strengthened and expanded pave a way for political dialogue between Israel and the Palestinians. Now, you might ask, why is this important? Okay, what do we need to know about this, Doug? Well, this is why it's important, because Daniel verse, or chapter 9, verse 27 says, And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Okay, the word confirm here, folks, in the Hebrew is gabar. In this passage, it means to make stronger. It's an interesting choice of words from a leader within the European Union who is also calling for peace and security. All right? Remember, I'm just giving you information today, okay? We just need to wait and see what becomes of these three headlines. But they're very interesting. And when you see these things in Bible prophecy being talked about in mainstream media, that is something that made my jaw drop today as I read these articles because... I actually received the one 
uh, where he addresses Israel a few days ago. And when I saw him say that we need to make those Abraham Accords stronger, that in itself was something that, because I understood that confirm means confirmation there means to make stronger. He's talking about making the Abraham Accords stronger and making a way for peace between Israel and the Palestinians. We know that's exactly what the Bible's talking about there. So he's talking about the very thing that the Bible talks about in Daniel 9.27. All right? So you take all those things that we talked about today, and it'll make you scratch your head a little bit. Like I said, I'm not saying he's the Antichrist, okay? Like I said before, we will not know who the Antichrist is for sure until we get to the middle of that final seven years. But another interesting thing that was brought up to me, and a lot of people were asking questions about this, it happened last week. All right, this comes from Israel 365 News. Jews began building their third temple on Israel's Independence Day. Like I said, this comes from Israel 365 News. This was May 6th that this article came out, and I'm going to read a little bit of it here. It says, while most Israelis were celebrating Independence Day, by having family barbecues, small group gatherings in the old city of Jerusalem and began uh, chipping away at stones, preparing them to be used to build the prophesied third temple. The event was organized by Rabbi Ari Lipo, who envisioned it while on his way to the funeral of Rabbi Chaim Kaninsky in March. Lipo ascends to the Temple Mount on a daily basis when the Israeli police permit Jews to enter, but was deliberating with a friend which was more important to attend a funeral of a righteous Jew or to ascend to the Temple Mount. To honor Rabbi Kavaninsky, he and a friend were learning the Halachek, which is a Torah law ruling Uh, written by Rabbi, in which he stated that the stones for the temple had to be cut by Jews with the intention of honoring God's name. He said, we have the mitzvah, the Torah commandment, to build the temple. The mitzvah is not conditional or time-bound. We have this requirement at all times. So it's a pity that we are not actively engaged in it. Right now, it is politically complicated for us to begin building on the Temple Mount, but that does not exempt us from this medfa. Rabbi Lipo realized that this was possible to begin the actual to begin to actually perform this medfa by preparing the stones that will be used to build the third temple. He explained that Rabbi Moses ben Maimon, the uh, medieval Torah author known as Maimon, <laughs> I can't even say it, Maimonides, or by the acronym Rambam, taught that the stones of the temple building were cut outside the temple mount and transported to the temple mount. Once on the temple mount, it was forbidden to use iron tools to form the stones. It was, of course, forbidden to use iron tools at any stage to form the stones of the altar. All right, so this is just a little bit of the article because it's very lengthy. You can go there and check the article out for yourself. But 
this has uh, got a lot of people's interest. A lot of people were believing that uh, they have begun to build the third temple. All right. So what I need you to understand is while they're doing this, they, they may be making preparations for this third temple. Okay. But that doesn't mean that they are building the third temple right now. Okay. We know from our many trips to Israel that the Temple Institute has many of the tools and items that are required that go into that third temple. Okay. They even have a replica of the Ark of the Covenant. We've seen it. At the end of the tour, they uh, have these curtains drawn together. They pull them back, and there's this beautiful uh, replica of the Ark of the Covenant. So they have all these different things that they are preparing to go into the third temple. They also have the cornerstone of the temple. It's kept at a safe location that only a few people know about because they're worried that somebody will try to destroy that cornerstone. Okay? So when the time comes... It'll actually be the first stone that's laid up there, okay? So it is not a surprise that these religious Jews are working toward having stones ready for the temple. But that doesn't mean that they're secretly building the third temple, all right? Because they're not actually doing that. They will not begin to build that third temple until there's a peace agreement there, okay? It just means that they're preparing for things when that time comes. Uh, Once that peace agreement happens then they'll be able to go up there and build that temple. But remember, there's a lot of things that need to happen there. Dave's talked to you about the red heifers and about uh, there's 22 of them that were shipped from uh, here in Texas to Israel, that they've got to wait to see if these red heifers become uh, kosher or not. These red heifers could grow a white hair at any moment that would make them uh, not be kosher anymore and be able to be used to make the ashes that are needed there in a burnt offering to where they would go up and they would cleanse the Temple Mount. They would cleanse themselves and they would be able to have enough uh, ashes there to cleanse uh, the worshipers and everybody that would come up. That's a ritual that they've got to perform as well to be clean to even go up there and start something like that, okay? But we've just witnessed what can happen when the Jewish people even want to go up to the Temple Mount, when this Passover coincided with Ramadan, violence and terrorist attacks. So just imagine if Jewish believers were attempting to build a temple without a peace agreement. All right, so we're not going to see uh, a temple be started up there until we come to that peace agreement, when that confirmation of the covenant is made by the Antichrist. All right. And so the interesting thing about the articles that I brought today is they're actually talking about things that we know could evolve into these prophecies. We've been watching these prophecies for a long time. We tell you all every day how much is happening, uh, how much is coming to pass on a daily basis. So the thing is right now we are living in a time, folks, where we need to understand more and more about our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. And there are people who uh, are are prophesied in the Bible about, they're going to come to Jesus at a time at the end, and they're going to say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? And the Lord is going to say, away from me. I knew you not, you workers of iniquity. So there are a lot of people right now that believe that they have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And they're going to go to the Lord and they're going to say that and he's going to tell them, away from me, you're a worker of sin. And so right now is the time that we need to seek God. The Bible says, seek the Lord while he can be found. And right now we're in a crucial, 
crucial time. And I know that there are things happening in this nation that have people worried, have people rock back on their heels right now. But the point to all this is, is that these prophecies are in our Bible and they are going to come to pass. And we need to understand them and we need to be teaching people. But the most important thing is they need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. They need to be born again. They need to be biblically born again. So you hear us talk about this all the time. We have a free brochure called What Do You Mean Born Again? And you can go to end time uh, slash born again and, and you can find that track online. You can read it electronically. You can print it out for yourself or friends. Or you can call our 1-800 number and talk to our, our customer service representatives and they can send you a free copy of What Do You Mean Born Again? Now, folks, you can use that as a testimony to other people. You can go out and you can show them this track. You can help them understand what it means to be biblically born again. But we all need to get our names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We talked about Revelation chapter 13, 5 through 7 a while ago, where it talks about the Antichrist will make war against the saints for 42 months. And it says, all will follow after the beast. A lot of people get hung up on that word all, and they think, well, that means everybody's going to be chasing after the Antichrist and they're going to receive the mark of the beast. And that's not what Scripture says because if you keep reading, it said all those whose names are not found written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So we have to get our name in the Lamb's Book of Life. If we're going to stand firm in our faith and we're going to be those that the Lord says this calls for patience and endurance on the part of the saints, if we're going to be those saints and we're going to stand firm and we're going to be shod in the armor of God. If, if we're going to be those people, our name has to be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You know, the Bible tells us that we're given the Holy Ghost as like a down payment of our inheritance. It also says that we're sealed with that Holy Ghost. These are important things to understand. And that's what I'm encouraging you to do today. Get into the Word of God. Get this track. Call us. Talk to us if you don't know what it means to be born again because these prophecies are coming to pass and they're going to happen within our lifetime, I believe. Thanks for joining me. We'll see you next week. Dave will be here tomorrow for another live broadcast. This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries or if you would like more information, we invite you to call us at 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463 or visit us online at endtime.com.